The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America, 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Oh, we look a little different today. We look a little different today. We are back on track. Ben McKee, go Vols 247. Jason Swain here with you. I'm live in the Low T Center studio. Hope you're having a great Tuesday morning, July the 18th. It is SEC Media Days, Ben. What is up, man? Did you get a tan? Kind of? Not really? Kind of? Get a tan, Ben? I I wish. Uh, have, have you gotten a tan lately? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I've been working on it, too. I can tell. It's been paying off, man. I've been out, out there in the yard working. Definitely me working on my tan, man. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. How are you? It's football season. It is. And and I know you miss me so much. Absolutely, man. We had a we had a good week last week. Uh Kevin Simon did a great job of filling in and man, uh we had a good time. But hey man, it, it's good to have you back. So um, you know, let's rock it out, man. Let's rock it out. I don't know what the biggest storyline in the SEC uh, is. I think it's, all right, who's going to be able to knock off Georgia? Who's going to be able to stop Georgia from going to Atlanta, stop Georgia from winning another national championship? They've already won two in a row. Uh, For Tennessee, what do you think Tennessee's biggest biggest storyline is as we enter, man, it's, it's go time. Tennessee is going to um, speak on Thursday, and then two weeks after that, it's it's, it's fall camp time. Yeah, that, that's a, a fascinating question. Uh, one of my favorite things about Josh Heupel, and, and you and I have talked about this privately and, and publicly before, we, we like how quiet Josh Heupel's football program is during the offseason. Uh, during the offseason, there's not a whole lot 
going on. It, it, it seems like it, it seems just very quiet over there on the hill uh, under Josh Heupel. And, and that's a great thing, in, in my opinion, especially if you're a Tennessee fan. I, I think you understand uh, that it could be much different uh, as we saw under uh, Derek Dooley. We saw under Butch Jones and we saw under Jeremy Pruitt, which was certainly highlighted on Friday. Uh, a, a lot has happened on the Jeremy Pruitt front uh, since the, the Swain event last convened, even yeah. the, the K Simon version. But I'm sure uh, for those who have lis- listened to Josh and Swain in the afternoon, I, I guess that that news hit perfectly on Friday for you, huh? No, I, I mean, I was I was out on Friday. I took, I took today. On Friday, okay. So I didn't I didn't get a chance to really dive into it uh, until yesterday. And uh, it was Spend all three hours. I mean, not really, because. It's SEC media days, so didn't really dive into all that went on and the report um, in, in much detail. So that's fair. This might be the first time to actually do that since the the report came out. But I mean, it's Tuesday. It happened Friday. We knew all these things uh, for the most part that Tennessee is going to get their punishment. It's favorable for Tennessee. Uh, but we kind of knew this was this was coming at some point, uh, so I don't maybe maybe it's dated a little bit because it's SEC media uh, week this week. But I haven't really spent a lot of a lot of time. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair. I I I I do agree with you that it's probably dated. Um, I I don't know that I think it's dated because it's SEC media days. I, I think for the Tennessee fan that they don't really care about Monday and Tuesday of SEC media days if if Josh Heupel isn't too involved. Uh, now, I had my TV turned on SEC Network all day yesterday, and I, I'll be doing the same today. But I, I think for the the common Tennessee fan or, or even maybe even the diehard, they, they probably do care more about w- what happened on Friday. But I do I do agree with you that it's dated in the sense of I'm sure Tennessee fans are tired of hearing about it and, and talking about it. it. It's pretty self-explanatory uh, at this point and, and just the, the, the punishment that, that – came down and, and then the Knoxville News Sentinel uh, has had great coverage the, the last several days Adam Sparks and and Mike Wilson that they, they they have really painted uh the the story as as well and, and really better than anybody uh just through uh the the documents that they've been able to get their hands on uh and it really tells the backstory and and not just simply hey Jeremy Pruitt did this and did that this is how he was doing it this is how out of control he was, his staff was, the program was. This is how moronic everything that was going on was. Um, but, yeah, I, I do, again, think it's dated for the Tennessee fan because I'm sure they're tired of, of talking about it. And, yeah, we, we, we've kind of gotten an exclamation point to, to that storyline uh, with all the details coming out. But it's also been something that's been kind of drug out the, the last year, year and a half, two years. So I'm sure Tennessee fans are more than – excited to move on uh, in terms of sec media day storylines for tennessee I, i'll be curious to see how many questions josh hypel gets at the main podium uh, about the ncaa investigation uh, i'm sure he'll get at least one or two uh, hopefully nobody asks him about any current commitments uh, <laughs> because tennessee does have the possibility uh, to, to pick up a big one on Wednesday night. Can't talk about uh, Mike recruiting. Matthews, the, the five-star receiver, he is going to announce his college decision on Wednesday evening. What would you say? I say coaches can't talk about recruiting publicly, so 
You won't you won't get that question. Well, somebody still asked about a current commit. Somebody asked Jimbo Fisher about a current commit yesterday. So uh, that that was more so what I was referencing. Oh, I, I don't understand how you show up to SEC Media Days and ask a coach about a current commit. But I'll be curious to see if if Heupel, uh gets or. I think he definitely will at least get one of those questions. I'll be curious to see how many questions he gets of that. Uh, in terms of actual football, I, I, to me, the storyline, Swain, is, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, like a two-part storyline of how good is Joe Milton going to be this year and can Tennessee replicate its success from last year or maybe not even replicate the success but can they prove that last year wasn't a one-off? Can they sustain success and, and still be in that same ballpark? To me, that's the storyline uh, for Tennessee at media days and also for Tennessee going into the season. Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing that came to mind for me, too, too Ben, is, is looking at Tennessee and going, all right, uh, the major change is, is the quarterback. Can, can Tennessee do what they did last year and have the success they had last year with a new slash old quarterback. Every year as a Tennessee fan, we always pay attention to the new shiny toys. So Tennessee has brought in some new shiny toys, whether it's from the transfer portal or uh, from the high school ranks. Tennessee uh, released their their numbers for all the newcomers. And so uh, good luck media members trying to keep up with players that have shared numbers and so you get a couple double zeros out there you get a couple uh number ones out there Uh, let me know let me know what the numbers are going to be at the end of fall camp because remember the last couple of years there's all these jersey changes going into fall camp and then after they get done going through special teams and and they figure out who's going to be on on which special teams package that there may be some some guys with the same number on the same special teams package or formation, and, and they have to change a number or two. So l- l- let me know at the end of fall camp whose jersey is going to be what. Fair enough. I, I do think we'll see Dante Thornton at number one. I, I don't think that's going to, to change. No. Uh, I, I do think we're going to see uh, Jalen Wright rocking that, that zero. Um, and Beasley, there's no reason why he would not wear six changing over from 24 but yeah like there's no way that Thornton and Gabe Julie Lolly is going to be on the same unit together there's no reason no no way that Jalen Wright and Danico Slaughter is going to be on the same unit together so I'm sure that's something that they thought about discuss before issuing these numbers but that's the new look we're going to see with some of the older veteran players in terms of uh number changes now Elijah Simmons, hey, man, you're going to have to ball out this year. You got to ball out. You got to ball out. You've been here for a long time. That's the number one reason you got to ball out. Your your teammates need you. Your defense needs you. Your defensive line needs you. It's time. Freakishly athletic. You put the work in. It's time to go out there and have a full season. But the number change, Ben McKee, is – Another reason why he has to ball out. We're going from 51 to number 10. Do y'all remember when my man, Khalil McKenzie, came up in here rocking the number one jersey? 
you can't just be wearing single digits if you big unless you are a flat out baller. So attention, all eyes will be on Elijah Simmons. He got to go out there and do it uh, this year. So Simmons and Squirrel White sharing the same number. I don't think we'll have to worry about those guys being on the same special teams unit together. Yeah, I I don't, I don't see. I mean, I I could see Squirrel returning punts, but I I don't I don't see how Elijah would fit in on on the punt block punt return no, he's not formation. No, nah, ain't gonna be on that. The only one, Jalen Wright and Danico Slaughter on kick return. That that is one that could happen. Both both have been on kick return in the past. Uh, especially Jalen, and I, I believe I remember seeing Danico out there as well. So I, I could see potentially that one, but I, I'm sure it's unlikely. Yeah, double zero could cause an issue at some point during the season. It could, um, but if you have enough return guys, you don't maybe have to put out Jalen Wright. Well, and the other thing, Swain, is like Tennessee actually has some some depth yeah. now as as well yeah. like they have like typically those roles are freshmen and then sophomores trying to establish themselves and, and Tennessee finally under Josh Heupel the depth still isn't where it needs to be but it's in a much better place and, and they have they have guys that can play special teams that, that that's going to be their role the Jalen Reeves Maven remember Jalen Reeves Maven mm-hmm. blocked that punt against Georgia and that's mm-hmm. kind of how uh, he, he burst onto the scene, and, and you could tell that, okay, he's going to be a good football player. So they, they actually have guys that can can fill those roles instead of having to to use your, your best players. Now, I, I do kind of like your best players being on special teams like Alabama and, and Georgia. They, they put their best athletes on special teams, and I, I do kind of like that That's and prefer that. But your, your Josh Josephs and, and your James Pierces or, you know, Caleb Perry's, Arian Carter – those type of guys like that those are going to be really really good special teams players and that's not a bad thing on on their part either that, that's how you that's how you make some early bread as a, a young football player yeah neil mafia man we miss you neil mafia says on the text box and this is the Beatty chevrolet text box july on a couple more days until july is over july is the big red tag sale at Beatty chevrolet all inventory marked down with their best price on the windshield. Get your biggest savings on Beatty's largest inventory in years, up to $10,000 off. The Beatty Chevrolet text box here on the Swain event. Neela Mafia says, actually, it's not the first couple of SEC days that I don't care about. It's every team other than Tennessee that I don't care about. That's Neela Mafia. That's what he had to say. Vol fan, it's football season now. But because Ben is the best of the best, I'm going to go ahead and ask Ben the question, and I'm going to get to the phones. Vol fan says, Ben, how did the Holman visit go? Was Tony Vitello able to close the deal? Well, the, the visit is still ongoing uh, from, from my understanding. I, I would believe that it – ends and, and he leaves town mid-morning today give us uh, the context holman where are you from luke holman from alabama was was alabama's game one starter this past season uh is, is a very very talented young arm 
uh, is uh, highly coveted. Uh, he is actually, if he makes it out of the Tennessee visit, is going to go visit Mississippi State next, and, and then he's going to go to LSU. Uh, so he is a, a very talented young arm. Tennessee's been recruiting him from the jump. It's been a longer recruitment uh, because he was playing team with Team USA this yeah. summer uh, with Drew Beam, and, and I do think Drew Beam was getting his recruitment on or putting on his, his recruiter hat. So that, that can certainly benefit Tennessee. But uh, I would imagine that it that it went well. Again, it, it's finishing up. Uh, so I, I haven't – I don't have a, a solid word for you, to be quite honest. But uh, I do think Tennessee's in a, in a great position. Uh, Tony Vitello, Frank Anderson, I, I think they have great relationships uh, with uh, Luke Coleman and his dad, uh, who is a former big league pitcher. Uh, I think the both parties have have great relationships, and uh, in today's day and war, day and age of NIL, I, I don't know that they're looking to cash in on NIL, which I think benefits Tennessee because of uh, the fact that they are considering LSU and Mississippi State as well. They know that next off season, uh, Mr. Holman's going to get a bag in the MLB draft, and they are focused on where can they go to be developed the best and. I think Frank Anderson and Quentin Eberhard, I think that duo uh, is the the best of the three. I know LSU just put Paul Skeens in the league and, and a couple of other guys, but they have a new pitching coach, uh, Nate Yeski. Uh, Frank Anderson's better than him. Frank Anderson's better than every pitching coach in the country. Uh, and then Mississippi State can't pitch to save their life. So I, I don't know why a, a pitcher with first-round potential would go to Mississippi State right now. That That pitching staff has been a dumpster fire for like three seasons now, but I think Tennessee's in a great spot, and um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him land at Tennessee. Not that it's a done deal. There's still more work to do, but uh, Tennessee's been a, been in a great spot for him since he entered the portal. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's get to the phones this morning. Uh, 865-255-03. Welcome in. Who do we have with us? Hey, it's me. It's me. It's RC. How you doing, guys? What's up, Turkey Man? Hey, uh, good, to, good to see you both together. Uh, good to talk to a little football. Uh, I was going to ask two or three little short questions uh, and make one comment. Okay. The comment is I, uh, I seen, I think we did well through this, uh, uh, oh, uh, hearing and, and all the stuff they laid out for us to, to be, uh, over the next five years, I think that we're going to be losing a couple of scholarships, uh, a year and all, but I, I guess the person I really felt sorry for was JT and all and all, uh, have to vacate all those wins. Did I lose you? No, we here. We here, Turkey Man. Oh, I got a call coming in. I'll get you there in a minute. But anyhow, uh, uh, I, I felt sorry for JT in, in that regards, but then I want to know why is the Missouri's uh, head coach have to throw jabs at at Tennessee every time he gets to the podium. And I, I hope that uh, we make him pay. And he's salty. He's so salty. Uh, and, I, and I wonder what be the first question or the most question asked Heifel this year in, uh, when he when he uh, speaks and what when does he speak? What When does he go to the podium today? Thursday. Is it Thursday? Okay, you know what time it is? Uh, it's in the afternoon, um, so around two-ish in that, in that ballpark. So he's going yeah. to, 
He's going 1 p.m. Um, so 1 p.m. And, and then we'll get him there on Josh and Swain um, a little bit after that. So uh, he's the last any coach these, on Thursday. Any of these new uh, rules they got, will it affect us in our offense any this year, by the way? Um, it's going to affect everybody, Turkey Man, to a certain extent. All right, I'll get out, guys. Have a good <laughs> Talk to you later. Turkey, all right, Turkey Man. Yeah, it's going to affect every every offense to a certain extent. Um, but I don't think it's going to affect us to the point where we can't run our stuff. Um, but it'll affect everyone. As, as far as JG vacating or feeling sorry for him, I, feel sorry, I honestly do feel sorry for JG uh, because he came to a, the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place at the wrong time. Um, imagine JG comes into Tennessee right now with all the coaching, how everything will be set up for him to be successful. Would he be? I don't know. He'd be a whole lot better than he was at Tennessee. Um, and then what was the other comment, question Turkey Man had? Um, most asked question for Hypo. It's probably going to be about Joe Milton. I mean, replacing Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, his big arm. I mean, that's going to be the storyline, I, I think. Um, Hype was going to be asked about the sanctions. You answer it one time, you, you nip it, and then you continue to go on. Uh, it happened when he wasn't here. He took over. They knew there was this This was coming. The, the point that might have gotten lost so far, but I've seen it be discussed, is how legally you can't give Tennessee a postseason ban. Like, that's that's the boss's move of boss's move right there. Like, that's a boss move. Um, and that was a great job by, by Tennessee and the lawmakers on that one. Um, and it just makes sense, man. You don't need to be punishing guys that had nothing to do with the uh, situation. Now, they will be indirectly punished because Tennessee won't have the same recruiting um, opportunities as, as the competitors because of the reduced scholarships and reduced visits and all those things. But, hey, Tennessee will be able to maneuver around that. Uh, as far as the vacated wins, I said this on Josh and Swain yesterday. Why can't you just vacate everything? If you're going to vacate the wins, vacate the losses too. If the players didn't didn't count in the wins, well, they shouldn't count in the losses. Well, th that would also be, I mean, that, that would be a good thing for Tennessee. Yeah, no Georgia State yeah. loss. Yeah, I, I now as as a fan, you certainly certainly would like to to see those losses vacated, but it, it doesn't make sense to to reward somebody within their punishment. Yeah, and and I I, I kind of like the idea. I, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to like the idea of of Jeremy Pruitt's uh, record being five and nineteen, and instead of sixteen and nineteen. Man, I can't. I mean, there's there's so many moments when reading that article from Knox News Sentinel. And, uh, I gave some credit to Adam Sparks yesterday on the program with Joshua Swain. I forgot my man, Mike Wilson. So uh, Mike Wilson did an awesome job as well. They did a great job laying that thing out, man. It felt like it was an uh, article here and there every single day, just new, a breakdown of the 
sanctions and a new different angle to look at it. And uh, it was hard to look at it and not laugh a little bit at, at certain parts. Um, everybody was out on their own, that's for sure. Players, players' moms was, was snitching on Pruitt, and Pruitt was saying they were lying. Uh, my man Derek Ansley was like, yo, mm-mm. Nope. 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 Not me. <laughs> so, no surprise. Your career's on the line. You're going to say whatever you can say to get out of it and reduce that penalty. Brian Niedermeyer, who boy. Man. Rough, rough, uh, rough couple days for sure, man. He exposed a lot, of, a lot of things that he said. He kind of looked a certain type of way. But Brian Niedermeyer was always awesome to me. Uh, it's hard for me to sit here and, and laugh or take, make light of the situation because there's a lot of folks that um, tried to make Tennessee good. They just just wasn't good at it and was really, really sloppy at a lot of things that they were doing. 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here in the Low T Sensor Studio. We will take a quick timeout, and we'll be back after this. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men healthcare. Freedom Motors is the local pre-owned car dealer who does more for you than any other dealer around. You want convenience? You can check out their entire line of vehicles online at freedommotorstn.com. And when you find what you like, they'll bring the vehicle right to your door. That's a dealer who cares about you and your time. Shop Freedom Motors today and let's get you in your new ride. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube.
Jason Swain here, Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. So, um, I don't see you in any, in any hotel. Uh, looks like you are in your home studio. I'm in my home studio. So they just, they just gonna keep us in Knoxville, huh? During SC Media Day. That's, that's what we're doing. Ben, you just, you just, you're in Knoxville, buddy. You're not, you're not going to Nashville. Uh, certainly not for the week. I, I cover Tennessee. No, man, not- we need you covering the Georgia today and Auburn and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I I will let uh, the AJC cover Georgia. Boy, have they been covering Georgia? <laughs> They've been covering Georgia, man. They that is that is a battle right there. There, excuse me, UGA, AJC. My goodness, man. Yeah, um, uh, whew, that that that's been a mess. Is is what that has been. That 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 Georgia program has had a, a very weird off season. Yep. Uh, and and really an unfortunate off season. And I'm not discussing or, or referencing uh, the the incident uh, with the AJC and that player uh, because that that wasn't anything. That 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 story got misportrayed so poorly. Uh, that that player, I mean, it, it was made out that he did one thing, and it was completely false. Uh, so not not even referencing that. But aside from that, it it's been one interesting off season for the uh, defending national champions. And I'll be curious to see if if the the Pat Forties or the Dennis Dodds who, who are in attendance, if if they have any any questions. Uh, for Kirby on that topic, although uh, Pat Forty decided to ask uh, about um, <laughs> if uh, he he asked Greg Sankey if there's been changes made to the rushing the field and and storming the court policies, and that was something that was announced back during SEC spring meetings. So that that was an interesting moment yesterday when, when Greg Sankey. Uh, was 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 talking at the podium. SEC Media Days has just become a complete circus, Swain. Uh, I I am I am not a fan. Uh, I am you not over a fan. It? Are you over, Ben? Yeah, and and it's just because the SEC credentials everybody and their mother, and what that results in is meat sticks asking college head football coaches who have won national championships about current commits like what are we doing like sec media days is is supposed to 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 serve a purpose and and, you you know share inside and and, then fascinating storylines into the program leading into the season and and instead we have meat sticks asking about current commits like what is this like it's it's that that's why i'm tired of of sec media days it's just this big production show put on by by the sec and, and it no longer serves the intended purpose that it is supposed to to serve now if if you want to get the the true beat writers in the room and let them ask questions at the podium and, and true national media members then okay then it would be much more interesting but the the silliest questions are asked 
Brian Kelly was asked if Jane Daniels is the starting quarterback. Buddy. And, and, and even he was asked about his accent as well. And, and that is kind of funny. But, like, why are we asking Brian Kelly that at, at the podium? That, that is, that is a, a side joke or a side comment you make when he does his, his media with the, the local media. It, it, I'm, I'm over SEC media days. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. Ben, let us know how you really feel. Let us yeah, know. Look, I, I, I can tell you Josh Heupel feels the same way. Yeah, he it's um it's great for media members. SC Media Days. It's great for media members because it's content. Um I don't know how Tennessee fans feel about SC Media Days. Like I guess it lets you know that it's closer. Um Middle Tennessee Rick says, where I used to work, we would call this a dog and pony show. Yeah. Um, but I'm 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 with you, man. It's, for me, it's just it's a reminder of how close we are to the start yes. of the season. So like yesterday, um we had a remote. I was out on, on location for the for the show, and um there were current players part of the event Jacob Warren was there um some of the freshmen were there uh Tyler Barron was there uh, Addison Nichols I mean, just just a couple guys from the squad and so I, I asked him like all right man when does stuff get started and um and they told me I was like oh yeah we we close and yesterday was the first day discussing SEC media days first day of it so it's just a reminder for me that we're around the corner from football real football starting i mean nfl football they're going to training camp here another 10 days or so um like it's starting here we are and so that's what i look at sc media days um i'm planning on the plan is to be there at tennessee day and so there's things the, we gotta the, do. The plan. Yeah, there's things we gotta do to make that to make that happen. So um it's in Tennessee. There's no reason why if you cover in Tennessee, you, you, you ain't in Nashville, uh, unless your company suggests otherwise. But uh Vol fan says on the text box, the Baby Chevrolet text box that saw a lot of other fan bases upset because they felt like Tennessee wasn't really punished. They said cheating won't stop unless schools are punished. The reality is cheating will never stop, but the only way it gets dialed back is if coaches coaches are the only one punished. Previously, previously, excuse me, coaches might get fired but walk away with million dollar buyouts. That's not a deterrent. Pruitt getting no buyout in a six year show calls might make a few people think about being so reckless. I agree. I I agree. I, I don't think the premise of that comment is wrong. I, I just don't think it applies because Jeremy Pruitt just got punished for a different version of college football. Like if if if, if co- NIL was allowed when Jeremy Pruitt was the head coach, he he's not handing out cash in a Chick Fil A bag. He he's doing it through 
Spire and and NIL. I mean, he he there you can legally cheat now. I look at it as through NIL, it's it's all above board. It's all public. You have to report those things to the RIS. There's a process put in place. You actually got to do things to, to, to earn that, that money. The money may be more than the actual work, but you still got to do something. Whereas before, you just got a bag. And the disheartening thing about the, the cheating under the table is there were so many players. And it's not just Tennessee. It's in the report. You know, guys like Darnell Washington took money from Tennessee and then went to Georgia. But if you're NCAA, are you putting two, two together to realize, like, all right, if he took money to come to, to on a visit here, but he went somewhere else, does that mean he got it for free? The place he went? Like, Kansas offered uh, Zion Williamson all this money, but he went to Duke. Well, did he go to Duke for free? Did he just say, you know what? I'd rather go play at Duke for free than to get money at Kansas. What sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense at all. So, like, no one is looking at these schools that are mentioned when another school gets busted. Like, all these players that Tennessee paid, but those players went to other schools, you not talking to them? You not finding out why they went to that school after being offered and given a certain amount of money at Tennessee? But whatever. Um, but for so long, players would go take 50000 from one school, not go to that school, and then go to a different school. Now, I'm not here to throw stones because we had an offensive lineman from – West Tennessee, they did the, did the same thing to Ole Miss. So I'm not here to throw stones in glass houses. All I'm saying is you can still pay players under the table if you really, really wanted to, even during the NIL era. And you can. If, if you want to slow down some cheating, I think Vol fan is right. Head coach, you're going to get a show calls, and you're not getting your money out the door. Now, Pruitt has some things working against him. Number one, he was a butthead to people. He was a butthead to people. He's the only coach that I met and talked to for less than 10 seconds. I've only had a 10-second conversation with Pruitt. I made one comment. He made one comment, and that was it. It was weird. But he wasn't a butthead to me. He was just weird to me. But you can't be a butthead, and you can't lose and then expect people to take up for you when you're not doing the right things. And I'm pretty sure there's other butthead coaches out here, but they're winning, and so winning trumps all, and they're willing to hide things for you. They're willing to go the bat for you because it helps everybody. When football is winning in this part of the country, it helps the university. It helps other sports. So people are willing to deal with it. Um, and other fan bases who are upset, you have every right to be upset. <laughs> Missouri has every right to be upset. Oklahoma State has every right to be upset. Ole Miss, you got every right to be upset. Because y'all got postseason bans, and Tennessee didn't. And what was reported that went on in Tennessee 
to me is not that much different than what went on at Ole Miss and, and some other schools. Um, and so is it fair to you? No, it's not fair. But life ain't fair. And here we are, 2023. We're moving on. And NCAA has made a point that they're not going to punish severely the innocent. And here we are. Tennessee did a great job of self-reporting, getting on top of it. Um, I don't know how you work in the athletic department and, and not know what's going on. Yes. Uh, we, we, we mentioned Brian Niedermeyer and, and and things not looking too favorable for him the last couple of days with, with some of the stories that, that have come out. Uh, the same can be said for Philip Fulmer. Uh, unfortunately, and I, I am curious. I'd, I'd love to hear. We don't have to get into this conversation. I mean, it, it's it's football season. It's time to start previewing uh, actual football and projecting and, and making bad predictions on, on my part, hyping up Kentucky and, and Auburn, uh, Vanderbilt. Um, but I, I do want to hear from, from people listening right now, just a, a quick yes or no, like does this impact Philip Fulmer's legacy as a, a member of, of Tennessee football's history, I guess, uh, because it, it's, I, I think it's hard not to at least diminish it a, a, a little bit. And again, I, I, that's not really a conversation I want to have. It's, it's an uncomfortable situation. And that that feels more like a a, a middle of June type of of <laughs> football conversation, uh, but I am I am curious to, to what people think in in that regard. And I've I've seen conversations. I, I work for a message board, and and I'm on social media. Like I, I've I've seen the conversations out there, and and some people uh, sharing their thoughts. But Swain, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I, I just kind of look at it differently in the sense of. I think if you are a college football fan getting upset about another college football program cheating, I think you're being very ignorant, especially at the SEC level. And I'm not talking about Vanderbilt or Missouri. I'm talking if you're an Alabama fan and you're upset that Tennessee got a slap on the wrist or if you're a Georgia fan or a Florida fan or whatever fan, I I think you're, you're, you're being ignorant thinking that Tennessee is the only one out here doing anything. There's not a a relevant college football program in the history of college football that hasn't, you know, bended the rules here and there at one point or another. And to be perfectly honest, everybody's doing it at the same time at the end of the day. So I, I think you're kind of being naive and ignorant if you're a college football fan. and looking down on the NCAA's punishment for Tennessee and honestly like taking a step back and and looking like if this was Texas A&M and and I'm not saying this as somebody who went to Tennessee, somebody who covers Tennessee, I would say this about A&M, even Alabama, you know, Kentucky, anybody like the, the current players and coaches should not be punished for something that somebody else did. Should the university as a as a whole be punished to a certain extent? Yes, absolutely. Which is why you see Tennessee receiving one of the largest fines ever, a reduction in scholarships, a reduction in official visits, and so on and so on and so on. Like 
Tennessee is receiving punishment, but the current players and current coaches should never be punished for what the previous coach did, in my opinion, which is why I, I think I honestly think the NCAA hit the nail on the head with Tennessee's punishment. That Josh Heupel and his program should not be punished for something that Jeremy Pruitt did during his time as head coach. To, to me, that is not fair, and I would say that about any school in the country under any circumstance. If, if Penny Hardaway had gotten fired after the whole James Wiseman incident and say, I, I, I don't know, uh, LeBron James was the, the next Memphis head basketball coach in an alternate universe, I would say that LeBron James and his program should not be punished for something that Penny Hardaway did in the previous regime. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee is being punished, but it's just not a postseason ban and just not so severely affecting today's players. But I get what you're saying. Like, there's still some scholarship reductions, which is not a ton, and it's not like it's going to affect Tennessee's ability to compete at a high level. Um, and then, you you know, you're still on probation for, for five years. Uh, so that means NCAA, they're watching closely. Uh, but, yeah, like, I get it. Like you, you, you're right. Um, the thing about Coach Fulmer, I feel like I need to be on record. Um, here, there's a platform where I can, I can take my time, and um, really lay out my feelings about. Coach Former's involvement in everything here. You asked the question about his legacy. Um, the moment that he was brought in as AD, 75 to 80% of me was really, really happy uh, for him. And I felt like a Tennessee person who loves Tennessee would be great at the, at the time for Tennessee. The other 25 to 20% of me was a little worried because of the lack of experience. But I felt like, hey, you can surround yourself with really, really good people who are experienced. And Coach Foreman can kind of be like the face. And that could work. Um, I went to the press conference when he was announced. Uh, it was it was emotional watching him be the AD. Like, I, I kind of got choked up in a car on my way leaving the, the complex for some reason. It was weird. But, like, that was an emotional time seeing Coach come back and um, kind of be the, the savior. And leading up to that, you got to think about how embarrassing the coaching search was with John Curry, the – end of Coach Jones's tenure and how frustrating that was covering the program uh, and certainly being a, a former player watching Tennessee perform the way they did on, on Saturdays. Um, when Coach was, a, was AD, there was some good things I heard. It was not so good things I heard. Um, when Jeremy Peru was was hired. Um, I felt like we got someone that could recruit and that could relate to players. And we felt like that that's what we needed. Uh, a coach that players run through the brick wall for. 
and someone that can recruit in this conference. Coach Former in 2008 was fired from the University of Tennessee for the product that he is responsible for putting on the football field. Fair or not, he was fired, okay? And then he received a buyout. Fired, retired, whatever you want to call it, after being AD, he was also sent home with a buyout, with some money. Um, when you're the AD and a recruiting scandal takes place under your watch, you're part of it. And does it affect his legacy? Absolutely. It will be no different than if of Peyton Manning or Jason Witten type comes in and wants to be the head coach of Tennessee and they, and they, are, and they get fired like that. That's a part of your legacy. Coach player, your affiliation with Tennessee is part of your legacy. Cause you're connected. You're always connected to Tennessee. It's been hard to watch like and read all the stuff. Um, with Knox New Sentinel regarding Coach Former. But the truth is, it impacted his legacy. Um, he was part of it. He, he necessarily wasn't held accountable because he's done. Like, he's retired. He's, he's with grandkids. Um, there is the shame factor that will have to deal with, or maybe he doesn't feel shameful. I don't know, but I would. That's something that you have to deal with for the rest of your life, and I would feel that way if you know if I was in his position. Um, if you are a Tennessee fan and your views of Coach Former change because of what happened with Pruitt, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you and tell you that you're wrong. I I, under, I understand. Um, it's just, this is the risk you take when you have one of your beloved players or coaches come back and serve in a different role. Terry Fair was a great player here, and his time as a coach wasn't great here. And I hate that for him. That's part of his legacy. That's not, that's not his fault. He came at the wrong time. He had a uh, great time when he was here as, as quality control coach under Pruitt and Willie Martinez. He did a great, good enough job to go be the DB coach at Colorado State. And at that moment, like, things were okay. Like, we were winning games and the program was, was going uphill. So, T. Fair wasn't here in 17 when, when the bottom fell out. But T. Fair comes back and he's part of the Pruitt staff and it doesn't work, man. It just, it was, it was absolutely atrocious. But that's part of his legacy, and that's something he can't take off the resume or or his his legacy. But again, like it wasn't like he did anything wrong. Him and Pruitt just just didn't work together well. Um, but I'm saying what I'm saying about Coach as if he was sitting right here in front of me, and um, 
it's it stinks, quite frankly. But yeah, it is part of his legacy. His legacy was tarnished um, some by his tenure as an AD. There's no way around it. Okay, Brad on the Betty Chevrolet text box. What is going on with recruiting? Man, I thought July was going to be a big month. If we don't get Matthews, will it be a disaster? It won't be a disaster, but it won't be great. Because July was supposed to be a bigger month than it it is right now. Um, This is part of recruiting against the big dogs now. You're not beating out Arizona State for players even though you did lose a recruit to Arizona. It's probably a bad example. Um, Not even Arizona State, Arizona. No, I'm just saying, yeah, you just you just lost out of a recruit to Arizona, so that's why I was saying Arizona State probably be, might be a bad example. But um, like you're, you're, you're recruiting against Georgia's and, and, and um, LSU's and Alabama's and Ohio State and Clemson, like for real now. Not for a player here and there, but you're going head-to-head for – most of the players on on your board because hey, you won eleven games last year. You were in the college football playoff mix. You are a contender, and so now you are in that same octagon as those programs, and they have a lot to sell too. They have a lot to offer, and you're going to lose some of those battles. We lost two battles to Clemson. We beat Clemson in a battle. We we've beaten some other top programs in in a battle, and so like it's tougher because you're not recruiting against just Central Florida and South Florida and Kentucky and Marshall. Like, yeah. So July recruiting hasn't looked like we thought it was going to look heading into July, but Tennessee's in a good place for for Matthews, who will announce his commitment tomorrow. And uh, we'll see how July turns out. But I'll be honest, man, when I when I uh, heard of the uh, – I watched the Braylon Russell commitment and I saw him go to Arkansas. I was like, "Whew, yeah, man this this is this is this July has not been what I expected." Well, a July's not over. Last I checked, you even said so earlier yourself. No, it's not it, over. It's 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 only halfway through, and a five star receiver, uh, who Tennessee is battling Clemson and Georgia for. Tennessee's in a really good spot there against Clemson and Georgia. Oh, he's from Georgia, by the way. Uh, and then, what's that? LeBurn. LeBurn. Uh, and then Edwin Spillman, a borderline, maybe not borderline, but a, a top 100 player, four-star linebacker who is one of the, the higher-ranked four-stars in the country, is is picking between Tennessee and Ohio State on Friday. Ohio State. Clemson, Georgia are teams that Tennessee is in a really good spot to beat out this week. And if Tennessee does secure the commitments, like many people are hinting at mm-hmm. the last couple of days, are we still talking about July in in the same manner? Like I I think, Swain, and, and maybe I'm maybe I need to readjust my standards or, or expectations but I, I have a two-part question for you mm-hmm. for, for you to 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 possibly put me in my place a I think recruiting is just a big old overreaction by fans like I, I don't understand how anybody could 
could be disappointed in July when July's not over and you know that five-star receiver Mike Matthews is announcing on Friday or on Wednesday, uh, a high-level four-star linebacker Edwin Spillman, who Ohio State really, really wants, is announcing on Friday. And then a guy like Amari Jefferson, who you're battling Alabama for, could – oh, I think he's going to technically announce like the first couple of days of August. But, I mean, he's he's been one that's kind of been viewed as a, a late-July decision uh, this whole summer. Like, I, why are we evaluating the month of July when July's not even over yet? And we know that their biggest targets on the board are still set to make decisions – down the road and here's the second part of my point like i don't am i wrong for 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 not faulting tennessee in the recruitment of elijah rushing and braylon russell elijah rushing wanted to stay home in tucson and play for arizona like if you're tennessee what are you supposed to do in 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 that moment like you you can't help that a kid wants to to stay home and, and play for an irrelevant football program to me that, that that's on him and like, look, I respect his decision, wanting to stay home, play with family. Um, he's he's getting a a nice NIL paycheck uh, to to stay there at Arizona. Yeah. And there's also been recruiting people say that that that's a recruitment that's going to probably go the length as well of the recruiting cycle. So, like, I don't fault Tennessee. I honestly don't. Like, I don't blame Tennessee in that instance. And with Braylon Russell, like he chose to stay home in Arkansas too. And, and like, yeah, it's disappointing. I, I was drooling over Braylon Russell a couple of weeks ago because I, I think he's uh, a heck of an athlete and, and can be a really good football player. But like, I, I'm not, I'm sorry, but I, I don't fault Tennessee for losing out on kids that decide to stay home because to me that that's almost like an unwinnable situation of sorts. And, and those are really hard circumstances to overcome and that that's not when I get upset about a school losing out on a recruit is, is when those recruits decide to stay home I, I just don't think that there's much that Tennessee can do in those particular situations now if you want to point out that Ronan O'Connell is leaving the state of Tennessee to go to Clemson and, and that was kind of like a 50-50 battle then okay I, I think that is a a more than fair criticism but I also think that you should also point out that William Satterwhite was equally a toss-up and 50-50 conversation. Like Ronan O'Connell and William Satterwhite were both 50-50 situations for Tennessee entering the month of July, late June. Clemson won one, Tennessee won the other. Like I, I, I kind of think that that washes out a, as well. And I, I just I'm, I'm struggling, as you can tell, to, to see why there's so much discontent with with Tennessee's month of July. Now, if if Mike Matthews decides to go elsewhere, if Amari Jefferson decides to go to Alabama, if Edwin Spillman decides to go to Ohio State, then okay, my tune will certainly change. I just think I think all of this is premature. You're right. It's 13 days left in July, so the month is not over. I don't think it's about whether or not it's Tennessee's fault or not it's about an emotion and a feeling that i think fans have because they were expecting a bigger july at this point so it is july i'll use this analogy it's like having one of the biggest and baddest 
fireworks from the store. Big old package. And this anticipation builds up. So you take it from the store to, to the house and you, you got all your friends over in the backyard, in the street, or whatever. I mean, even Terry is there. And you light the fuse and it sizzles. It's, it's a long fuse. And you put your hands over your ears and you're expecting this loud noise. You're expecting all these colors lighting up the sky and then the fuse there's a dud there's, what you expected to happen didn't happen like fireworks didn't go off and i think that's how people feel there's a feeling of disappointment because <clears throat> we know this roster needs offensive linemen defensive linemen and this is not to point out that this is Tennessee's fault. This is just the waters that you're swimming in now that you are competing against the top programs in the country. So when you look at some of the defensive line targets that we have went after, you have a Williams uh, Winery who at one point was looking really good for Tennessee. Right now, it's a toss-up. Not so much. The Jordan Ross. He's someone who's in Birmingham. Mom has said, hey, we, we got to slow down recruiting. We got to shut things down. We got to focus on on school and focus on the season. And, and so you, you expected those guys to be in the boats already. Uh, Cameron Franklin, you expected him to be in the boat already. Uh, you know, you, you missed out on, and again, this is July. You can still flip these players before signing day, but I'm just putting myself in the shoes of, of the common thing here uh, when it comes to their reactions uh, during the recruiting season. Now, you had Cameron Fountain that from Georgia, Tennessee was in a good position for, and then boom, he, he commits to Southern Cal. So there's been like misses with players in the trenches that have frustrated some Tennessee fans. That, that doesn't mean that Tennessee – is at fault, but here's what I will say is when you are going after these type of players, there's a risk that you may not get them. And remember Jeremy Pruitt first year, he gets here year zero. He gets here and he's going after all the five-star players that maybe he had a relationship with when he was at Alabama, but he didn't have that same relationship with when he was at Tennessee. And so the clock kind of starts over for some of those guys. So we swung and missed on a lot of five-star players because he was going after those players because that's what he was used to attracting when he was at Alabama and Florida State and Georgia. Well, we missed out on those players, and then a lot of the players that we could have gotten, we missed out on those players because we didn't take their commitments. We didn't want them. So we were stuck. Improve his first year. So my point is, you want to go after the best. There's no doubt about it. But if there's a moment during the recruitment where you know we're not going to get this kid, you got to put in some more energy into the second tier. Guys that you know you're going to be able to get because the last thing you want is to miss on the top tier talent and then miss on the, the second tier talent because you slow played them and you haven't, 
put attention to them because you put all your attention to the to the top tier, and then you miss out on tier one and tier two, and then you're in a really bad place. Not saying that's going to happen or it's happening right now. I'm just putting myself in the shoes of of the common fan that has reacted with disappointment from some of the misses regarding O-linemen and D-linemen. And recruiting is like baseball. It's really like baseball. Like, you're going to miss more than you hit. Like, you're, you're recruiting hundreds of players every single year. Hundreds of players. And so you only sign like 25. Yeah, you're going to miss more. No doubt about it. But the ones that you hit, are you hitting homers? Are you hitting triples? Are you hitting doubles? Or are you just hitting little singles? Like, that's how I look at it. Um, there's plenty of time. But July was supposed to be a big month, not just for Tennessee, but for a lot of schools, because we see this clock being pushed up where players are making their announcements, players are deciding to get it out of the way right before their high school football season so that way they don't have to think about all that stuff, um, get it out of the way before their senior season. And so because July is a special month for everybody, there was an expectation that there would be more fireworks, there would be more lights and more boom, and it just hasn't been. But that doesn't mean that it's well, over and it's be. reason to, like, to, to totally freak out. That's that's what I'm saying. I, I just think I think people need to – to to, to re examine their thought process, quite frankly, um, because the pe- people are acting as if Derek Dooley is recruiting. That, can, that's more. Can I, I be disappointed? So. Can I be dis- can I be disappointed at this point of July? Are they allowed I, to be I, disappointed? Um, I I would say overall no. Okay. No, I I would say no overall. Now, are there certain things that you can nitpick? Absolutely. I I thought that there would be more defensive linemen in the boat. I I, I did. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think some of their top targets are, are still on the board. Uh, and, and that's been an unfortunate situation. My, Miami's kind of swinging their NIL checks a, around with, with some of the five stars that, that they've been pursuing. But uh, they're also in a great place with, with Jordan Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we have him ranked as a five-star at, at 247. If, if not a five-star, then he's a – a highly rated four star, uh, and then the Okoye kid as as well from Oklahoma. Like those, those are two edge rushers that Tennessee's in a in a really really good spot for. Five and, star and they for do Ross. Need to, what's that? Five star for Ross. Yes, twelfth like, uh, overall player in the country. If if Tennessee can land him, like that's going to change the, the tune a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Like like yes, there there have been several five star defensive linemen, especially early in this cycle, where it it seemed like oh man, Rodney Garner's gonna gonna rack up this cycle but there's really nothing to to show for it just yet so like that is an area where yes I, I think it's fair to be disappointed with the defensive line uh recruiting now they they did go into Missouri and, and they got Kellen uh, Lindstrom uh he is only a three-star defensive lineman uh but again he's from Missouri and he picked you over Oklahoma and I, I don't know if people forgot but but Oklahoma is a really good football program, uh, an SEC opponent, essentially. And I, I think people forget that Brent Venables is their coach, and, and he knows a thing or two about defensive football. So for, for me, like, 
beating out Brent Venables in Oklahoma for a kid in Missouri that is closer to him, like to me, that's an impressive recruiting win. Am, am I wrong for, for, for thinking that way? And, th- and then like even along the offensive line, yes, there, there needs to be – Tennessee needs to land more top-tier talent along the offensive line. But people are talking about the offensive line recruiting as if Glenn Ellerby is just pissing down his leg left and right. And it's, I'm, I'm looking at the guys that, that he's bringing in. We mentioned William Satterwhite earlier. Pick Tennessee over Clemson. Mm-hmm. Max Anderson, who is from Frisco, Texas. Glenn Ellerby went into Frisco, Texas, got the number 218 overall player in the country to commit to him over Oklahoma, the program I just talked about. And, oh, by the way, Anderson's brother plays for Oklahoma, and he still wanted to come play for Tennessee. So you're going to tell me that winning that recruiting battle with William Satterwhite is not impressive? Winning that recruiting battle with Max Anderson is not impressive? Gage Ginther, he is ranked number 660 overall in the 247 composite. Not that favorable of a ranking. (laughs) Colorado was mad as hell when he picked Tennessee over Colorado. And like, yeah, I realize that it's Colorado football, but I I do also view Colorado football a little bit differently now that Dion's there. And and Dion being upset about losing a, a football player when he's tried to recruit everybody and their mother this past recruiting cycle, like to me, that that also holds a, a little bit of, of weight. Like those are three nice recruiting wins. And I'll tell you right now, Gage Ginther is extremely underranked. He he is somebody who should be much higher ranked than, than he actually is. And and uh, he's one that could actually end up being the best offensive lineman that, that they bring in in this cycle. But uh, I, I recognize that, you know, William Satterwhite, is number 188 overall in our composite. Max Anderson, 202 overall in our composite. Gage Ginther, 660 overall. Like they're they're not the the top end talent like Darnell Wright or Wanye Morris coming in from from the high school ranks. But again, like you're gonna tell me that those aren't impressive recruiting wins in, in their own individual case. And like, yeah, okay, they're not top 50 players or five stars, but uh top 200 players ain't ain't too shabby either. <laughs> So and and like there's other guys that they're they're going after as well like Bennett Warren who's the number 83 overall player in the country from Sugarland Texas Tennessee's had a lot of momentum there now it, it seems to have evened out with Michigan and that's become more of a, a 50-50 battle of late but if if Tennessee's able to land Bennett Warren on top of Max Anderson and and, and William Satterwhite and, and Gage Ginther like I, I just don't understand this this narrative that's been been pushed by some folks the, the last several weeks about Glenn Ellerby pissing down his leg because I don't see it. We will take a quick timeout. We will continue the conversation. Tennessee football re- recruiting here on the Swain Event. Swain Event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Ben McKee's letting us know how he feels today. And I love it. Be right back. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. 
What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Guys, if you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low-T. Schedule your annual health assessment at Low-T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low-T Center or you just need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low-T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. That's Low-T Center, reinventing men's health care when you are craving some quality barbecue there's only one place to go dead end barbecue dead end barbecue has been featured on espn's taste of the town the first barbecue restaurant on the sec network cbs sports headline news tailgate show amazon primes the restaurant comeback food paradise and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in america the search is over dead end barbecue is located on 3621 sutherland avenue right here in knoxville you can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Good to be with you on a Tuesday. It is the 18th of July, which means um, we're getting close, folks. We are getting close. Right now, Hiller, special deals going on for you. If you are looking at replacing your HVAC unit, temperatures hovering in the 90s. The last thing you want to be doing is dealing with a shot HVAC system in the middle of summer. So right now, Hiller, hooking you up with cool selection of Yeti products when you decide to replace necessary home systems. When you purchase a new HVAC system, two Yeti trailhead camper chairs, Hiller's going to give you. Also, the Panga waterproof backpack from Yeti. Also, the Tundra 75 cooler from Yeti. And two Yeti tumblers. This is all for free when you decide to purchase a new HVAC system. Hiller's work is backed by their happy you'll be or services free guarantee. They also offer quick online booking, making it simple and easy. Select the appointment time that works for you and get instant confirmation. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. For more details, visit them online, happyhiller.com. So I'm in the middle here, Ben. I'm in the middle of, and I don't know everything that you have seen. You're on the message boards. I'm not. I see 
things here and there on Twitter, but it hasn't been that much. So, like, I don't know everything that that you have seen. And I think a lot of your comments have been because of what you have seen. And my opinion is shaped from what I've seen. And so we got to keep that in consideration. But I'm someone that it's okay to recognize where you come up short or a little L here or uh, you didn't reach your goal. Like, I'm, I'm okay with admitting that. And I think if you are Tennessee and you went 11-2 and two and you put in more players in the NFL than most of the teams in the SEC this past season, you have Rodney Garner as your defensive line coach. You had a top 10 pick at tackle. The assumption would be this is feasting time. This is feasting time for Tennessee. You also understand that the competition is really stiff too. Like there's really, really good programs and you're swimming with the Sharks 100%. But you put a lot of work and energy into hosting visitors in the last couple of months. And when you have a coach like Rodney Garner, and this is not blaming Rodney Garner at all, um, but when you have someone with his pedigree and his success, you should be gobbling up more defensive linemen, I feel like. And it's still early. I don't want this to sound like I'm, I'm out here complaining about our recruiting efforts. But I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like everything is like peaches and cream. Nor am I going to sit here and freak out and go, oh, my gosh, what are we doing, man? We, we, got, we, we can't recruit worth a lick. But when you, when you miss out on several guys, it makes you have to go, okay, either we have to continue to put our effort in that player to try to get him to flip, or we have to move on to someone else. And if we're moving on to someone else, let's hope that we're not too far behind, and let's hope that player doesn't feel like we forgot about him. That's all. And so I think it's okay to be a little disappointed based on what the recruiting people that cover Knoxville, cover Tennessee's recruiting, kind of forecast it for the month of July. Now, it's not the reporter's fault that players decide to push their commitment back. It's not the reporter's fault that players said one thing and then did another thing. It's not their fault at all. But, again, I'm putting myself in the shoes of, of the fan here. And so there's just, I think, this expectation that, hey, man, we, we won 11 games last year. It, it's feasting time. We put dudes in the league. We were told, we were told by the media and big head dudes like Swain and Ben that you win on Saturdays, you put dudes in the league, you're going to recruit. And although Tennessee is doing a good job, people expected, some people expected Tennessee to be further along in recruiting. And I think that's okay if you had the expectation and if you are somewhat a little disappointed. That's okay. Like, it's hard to be disappointed. I think if you are on the staff and you saw some of the guys pick other schools, I guarantee the re- reaction was was not, 
Oh, well, that's all good. No, it was, dang it. Dang it. Dang it, man. All right, well, we got we to gotta either push hard on that young man or we got to turn the page and go after someone else. So that's my that's my take on um, football recruiting. And listen, Tennessee's in position tomorrow to get a five-star player. <laughs> and if it happens, a lot of our feelings will be a whole lot different for tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's, let's which is why I feel like this conversation is is just so premature. It's, well, it's uh, not been because it's the it's it's about the position. Like, look what Tennessee has been able to do at wide receiver without five stars. Okay, we're trying to get over the hump. We're thinking about getting over the hump. Getting over the getting over the hump means beating Georgia. How do you do that? Well. You got to win more in the trenches. Well, how do you do that? Well, you got to get more players in the trenches out of, from high school. So I think, and people can correct me if I'm wrong on the text box, I think people are looking at the offensive line, defensive line hall, and they are desiring a little bit more at this point. And I think that's fine because I think the coaches understand that that has to be an area where we improve if we're going to take the next step and, and beat Georgia in the, in the near future, like you got to win them battles up front. Yes, you, you are absolutely correct. I, I just disagree with the discontent along the offensive line at the moment. And I laid out my reasons why mm. last segment, if you missed it for some reason or are still confused, you can go back and listen on the podcast yeah, when, yeah. when Swain gets the podcast up. I do agree with the defensive line. The the, the defensive line as it currently sits, that, that class I, I, I do believe is is disappointing uh, as a whole because you, you do kind of look at Rodney Garner as being the, the best assistant on staff, and uh, he's been able to, to produce with, with Tennessee's defensive line in, in, in his first couple of years, Swain, and uh, so far – uh, that there's not a whole lot to 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 show for it on the recruiting trail. I like Kellen Lindstrom. I, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, other than that, it's it's Carson Gentle, uh, a, a defensive lineman from Macaulay there in Chattanooga, and then Jeremiah Hurd, who is a heck of an athlete. But even people talk about him more as a, a future offensive tackle than than a defensive lineman. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it ends up playing out. You know, Jordan Ross. We talked about him earlier. Tennessee's in a great position there. Uh, Danny Okoye, uh, the the edge rusher from from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I think Tennessee's in a great position there as well. Still more work to do with both of them. Not not trying to allude to those like being imminent commits or or anything along those lines. But as it currently sits, they're in, they're in good spots, but still more work to do. Uh, maybe you can get back in it with Elijah Rushing. Uh, you know the the boat seems to have passed with, with Williams uh, Winery. But who who knows? Maybe Tennessee and, and Rodney Garner can can work some magic there. I, I as I was saying earlier, uh, you asked me um, about the the recruiting as a whole, and I said no. I, I don't think overall you should anybody should be disappointed right now. Um, I, I do think it is fair to to be frustrated with the defensive line recruiting as I just laid out. Yeah. But outside of that, like I. I I, I just don't I don't see it. If Tennessee lands Mike Matthews tomorrow and Edwin Spillman on Friday, like a lot of people think that Tennessee is going to do, they're going to have on our site at 247 the number eight overall recruiting class in the country. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Like, obviously, Tennessee's 
doing some daggum good things there. <laughs> and, and they've already landed Jake Merklinger. And, like, I hear you about the receivers, but Braylon Staley, he's already in the boat. Yeah, and yeah. if you are yeah. able to land Mike Matthews tomorrow, I'm good with the I mean, that's a five-star receiver out of Georgia's backyard that you beat out Georgia and Clemson for on top of Braylon Staley, who is a top 150 overall player in, in the country out of South Carolina's backyard, and you're still in great position to go land Ryan Wingo and Amari Jefferson even after those two. So it's it's I, I think people need to have more patience. Yep. I, I think people need to to realize that because football recruiting is so vast, you are going just simply based off numbers, you are going to miss out on guys like you talked about earlier. And, and yeah, it's disappointing in the moment, but I think we need to have more perspective of Hey, Tennessee's actually doing some really, really good things on the recruiting trail right now. And I have the belief that, like, you don't, like, yeah, you want to be number one. You want to be top three, top five. But I think because of Josh Heupel's system and his ability as an offensive coach, like, I think that gives you a little leeway to just, hey, be in the top 10, be in the top 12, go develop those guys. And, and like, that's going to make up that ground between that top five and, and, and top 10 class. And you can't go win a championship. And also, my last point, Swain is like there, there's been a lot of freshmen the last two years who have been impressive kind of out of nowhere when they stepped foot on campus under Josh Heupel and, and this coaching staff. And, and I, I think that they're starting like Rick Barnes, like Tony Vitello. I, I think the staff is is starting to earn the benefit of the doubt that, okay, maybe even if this guy doesn't have a, a big time recruiting ranking by publications, like, okay, maybe he is a real deal football player and, and can, can contribute like there, there's some examples of that the last two years as well of uh, guys who Tennessee got in early with and, and their development or evaluations were, were strong and, and they developed them once they got here so I, I just I I really do think Josh Heupel and his staff are, are recruiting at, at a really high level it is is there room for for more growth and, and more improvement absolutely I'm not trying to say that there's not I just again there, there's a little more discontent I think than there there, there needs to be Tennessee right now, sixth in the SEC, uh, according to 247. For me, it's all about where are you? Are you the top third of the SEC? If you're there, then the team total rankings don't matter as much to me. Uh, and I'm simple, man. I'm thinking about, all right, closing the gap on Georgia. If you look at the recruiting class, is this recruiting class today a class that will get you over the hump to beat Georgia? And Right now, the answer is no because of how Georgia beat you in the trenches. So we have to address those areas. You can have Mike Matthews and uh, you know, Wingo and Jefferson all day long, but if you don't have time to throw the football and if you don't affect their offense with beast up front, then we're, we'll beat everybody else except for Georgia. So that's, You're that's absolutely correct. That's that's how I'm looking at it. Um, and it's a it's a marathon. It's it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I think you're right for the, what you are seeing from people, and um, I think I have some points for people that may feel how I feel. Um, but it's a it's a sprint, man. It's an octagon. It's what David Cutcliffe calls recruiting in SEC, and it ain't over. And uh, on Thursday. Hopefully, Ben, we'll be talking about Tennessee climbing up in the recruiting rankings after getting a five-star commitment from a wide receiver. So, um, Thursday, 
Tennessee's day, SEC Network. Excuse SC Network, but yeah, we'll be on SC Network. But SC Media Days. Um, glad that you are back from vacation. You're back in a home that Jennifer Morris helped you get into. I saw what she posted uh, a listing, uh, a home in Farragut. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but Jennifer Morris, if you need to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, Jennifer Morris is who you call. She is who you contact. Big supporter of the show, and uh, she was great for you guys, Ben. She was, and don't be a meat stick. Call her. Uh, <laughs> she she is actively recruiting uh, more sellers. If if you're looking to sell your house, please please reach out to Jennifer Moore. She will take care of you and your family exceptionally well, like she took care of me and mine. And again, just don't be a meat stick. Call her. And uh, she would enjoy that a lot. And I promise you, you will enjoy the process under Jennifer Morris and really enjoy the recruiting results under Jennifer Morris as well. Since he's done a lot of great work in recruiting, there's a lot of great work to be done, 100%. And uh, hopefully the conversation added some perspective, allowed some people to kind of walk off the ledge that they were freaking out about recruiting. But folks do this every single offseason, it seems. And then it tends to work itself out. So I'm expecting the same result uh, this recruiting cycle. But this is how we feel today, July 18th. And just like recruiting is fluid, your takes on Tennessee football recruiting can be fluid as well. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I am Jason Swain, live from the Low T Center studio. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Oh, man. Football season's around the corner, which means meals at that end barbecue. After the game, before the game. Looking forward to seeing all the Tennessee fans meet up on Southern Avenue right there at that end. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. We hope you have a fantastic Thursday, Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday. Peace and much love. We are out.